let's, um, let's get ready to do a little study on the judgment of God. You might recall we were in 1 Thessalonians 4 last week, and we were able to see a little bit about the judgment day. You might recall that Paul says in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4 that we can have hope. It's a distinct hope. It's a hope in Christ. It's a hope that the rest of the world does not have. It's a hope that we live for. He said that on that day, that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air, to meet the Lord in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Paul's focus last week in 1 Thessalonians 4 was upon the condition of the righteous as judgment day approaches. We want to expand that study just a little bit this evening from Acts 17, verse 31. Let's read this together. Acts 17, verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained. And of this he has given us assurance. He has given us assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Let's start right there in Acts 17 and 31. Let's ask some questions so that we can have a good study and discussion. Let's start with this question. Question number one. What do you think of God being our judge? Question number one, what do you think? It says here in Acts 17, 31, that he will judge. That is, God himself. Specifically, God has given it over to Jesus to execute the judgment day. What do you think, uh, what do you think about God being our judge? We'll remind ourselves what Abraham said, Genesis 18 and 25. What did he ask? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? What Abraham. So Abraham thought that God was a good judge. Shall not the judge of the earth, judge of all the earth, do right? To that we could add uh, Paul's words and 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness, you remember Paul saying that? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. Paul refers, this is 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8, Paul refers to the Lord Jesus as the righteous judge. He shall give to me on that day, not to me only, but to all them Love his appearing. Would you say that, that God is the perfect judge? The most perfect judge? And if you do, what makes you say that? Well, 
Be looking over in 1 Peter chapter 2 for a second also, 1 Peter chapter 2. I would say that God is the perfect judge because he cannot lie. And if God through Paul says that he is the righteous judge and he will give us that day what he promised, then he would have to be the most perfect judge. Look at 1 Peter 2 and speaks of Jesus' example. 1 Peter 2.21, Jesus also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Let's pick up in 1 Peter 2.22. Jesus committed no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again in return. When he suffered, he, when he, suffered he did not threaten, but he continued uh, trusting himself to him who judges, notice that in your Bible, who judges righteously or justly. Okay. So notice what Peter says. Peter says, Jesus entrusted himself to the Father who judges righteously. So God will judge. What do you think about God being the judge? Let's just keep that in mind. We'll come back to that as time gives us the opportunity, but what do you think about God being judged? Second question here, what has God appointed? What has God appointed? According to Acts 17.31, what has God appointed? All right. He has appointed a day. You see that? He has appointed a day. A day. The word appointed there, you might see it in your Bible, uh, means fixed or set. Uh, it is something that has been caused to stand. To stand. You might, you might be somebody who has lived in the same house for a long time. And you might just walk around sometime and say, this old house is still standing. Still standing. We went back to our old home place, my brother and I did a while back, and we saw the old basketball go down in the yard, still standing after 30, 40 years. This is the idea of the word appointed. God has appointed a day. He has set a day. He has caused to stand a day. Okay. A day. And God knows what he's doing when he appoints a certain time. He had appointed a certain time for Jesus to be born, and he made that happen. He appointed a certain time for Jesus to die on the cross, he made that happen. He appointed a certain time for Jesus to be raised from the dead, to ascend up on high. He appointed a certain time for the church to be established, Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, he made that happen. And so God can make this happen, and he most surely will. He has appointed a day. He has set it up. He has fixed it. Okay. This next question here goes along with it. What assurances does God give us that this day will certainly happen? How can we be certain that the, this day, this appointed day, this day of judgment will happen? Look at your Bible there in Acts 17, 31. What, what assurances does God give us? Acts 
that this is going to happen. Hmm? Yeah, like Paul often talks about in other scripture, he bases everything right there on the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. We notice that from 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, about verse 14 and 15, uh, Paul based the coming of Jesus on the fact that if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then we can also believe that he's coming again. So here again, he has fixed this day and he's based it on the resurrection of Christ. Let's notice a couple of passages that, that emphasize uh, this idea. Notice in 1 Corinthians uh, 15 right quick. I think last week I meant to go over to 1 Corinthians 15 and notice a couple of verses. Verse 20 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 20. In fact, it says, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, so by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so, so also in Christ shall all be made Alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And so, this second coming, and on this second coming day, this judgment day, Jesus will raise the dead. How do we know this all is going to happen? Because Jesus himself has been raised from the dead. And if you look at different passages, the writers often base what they're saying on the resurrection of uh, Jesus. Okay. Let's look at a couple of others just for our encouragement. Look at Romans chapter 7 for a second. Romans 7. We won't, we won't belabor this idea, but it's so good to be reminded of it. Romans 7 verse 4, Paul said talking about how that we're now dead to the law of Moses. He says, likewise my, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, that is, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. That's just another example again and again how that we're made to be sure about the teachings of God because Jesus was raised from the dead. Right? Now, in what sense also is the second coming uncertain? It is certain to happen, but what is it about the second coming that is uncertain? That's right. The time of the second coming is uncertain. Okay, we just we just don't know. Let's notice that from Matthew 24 right quick while we have the time and opportunity. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus spoke very specifically about that we don't know the time. Matthew 24. Yes, yeah, starting in verse 36. Starting in verse 36. Concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. 
For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. You see that? Matthew 24, 36, 37, 38. Now, it's very possible, and be okay with me, if Jesus will go ahead and come, if we are alive when he comes again, that does not mean that we won't be expecting it. The more we read our Bibles, the more we will be, we will be uh, trusting that God is coming again. Okay. But what the scriptures teach, what Paul's saying here, and what, what Jesus is saying is, that there won't be anything out of the ordinary happening that will trigger the second coming of Jesus. Life will be carrying on as normal. Okay. There will be no signs of His coming. Okay. People will be eating and drinking like they always have been eating and drinking. They will be creating families. They will be, people will be given in marriage. People will be having children. Life will be carrying on like it always does, and then at once, at some point, God has fixed the day when the Lord will, will come again. So there is uncertainty about it. There's a certainty about it, certainly. There's assurances of it. Just as sure as we believe in everything else that God has done, especially the resurrection, uh, so we know that this day will occur as well. All right, let's look at another uh, question or two. Going back to Acts 17 and 31, we'll kind of jump off of that verse for uh, the time being. Acts 17, 31. He has appointed a day. So as you look at Acts 17, 31, who all will be judged on that day? What does it say there in verse 31? Judge the world. Judge the world. Which means everybody. Everybody would be judged. What a tremendous... Can you, can you get your mind around that? Can you, can you imagine what a day that's going to be? He will judge the world. The world. Not just the world that we see. But everyone who has ever been part of this world will be judged on that great day. Let's notice this from another passage. Look back with me to Jesus' words, Matthew 25, right quick. Matthew 25. And notice these familiar words, beginning in verse 31. Matthew 25. 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then will He sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered, notice this verse 32, per what we're saying right here. Verse 32, before Him will be gathered all the nations 
and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. But notice that all the nations, all the nations, that means all the nations who have ever been nations, people in those nations who have ever lived, who are living at the time of the Lord's coming, who have lived prior to that, and all the way back to creation. Also look with me back to the book of Acts, but stop in Acts chapter 10 for a second. Acts chapter 10, Peter's sermon. Acts 10, after he encounters Cornelius' household. But look down within his sermon to Acts 10, 42. Acts 10, 42. And he commanded us, Peter said, he commanded us, Acts 10, 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of what? Judge of what? The living and the dead. You see. That's what he means when he says God will judge the world. He's going to judge the living and the dead. All of history, all of history will stand right before him. This reminds us of Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1 where he, he gives one of his famous uh, charges. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, he says, I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. See that, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. Who is he going to judge? Who all, who all will be judged on that day? Well, anyone you could ever think of be judged. Payday, payday. Add to that Revelation 20, 11 and 12. John says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. And then another book was opened which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in those books according to what they had done. So notice that before the throne, he said, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. So that's all who's going to be judged on that day. And then the next question is, by what standard will they be judged? According to Acts 17.31, going back to our little verse there, what standard will be used on Judgment Day? Yes, they will be, we will all be judged in righteousness. In righteousness. He will judge the world in righteousness. So we have to know what he means by righteousness. And the quickest way to know that is to study the gospel. Remember what Paul said in Romans 1.16? You know that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
It's the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But verse 17 says, Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God. And I take that to mean that we find we are able to find out about God, but also find out what God would have us to be, how God would have us to live. We find out about that in the gospel of God. We mentioned Sunday, John 12, 48, where Jesus said, the words that I spoke unto you, the same will judge you in the last day. I add to that, you'll want to notice uh, Romans 2, verse uh, 16, to add to this thought. Romans 2 and verse 16. Notice how Paul put it. He said, on that day, Romans 2, 16, when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Why does Paul call it my gospel? I wonder why Paul calls that my gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus. Why, Brother Larry, why does, he, why does Paul call that my gospel? He says, on that day, God will judge men by my gospel. What do you think? wonder why. That's pretty much it, Aaron saying that it's the gospel that Paul received directly from Jesus, beginning right there on that, on that road to Damascus. Paul received the word, and it was Paul's. And I think it was Paul's in that sense, certainly by inspiration, but also in the sense that Paul was, was dedicated to it. Paul dedicated his life to it. He, he lived for that gospel. He, he once said, for me to live is Christ, Philippians 1. So he was dedicated to, to sharing that, to living for it, and to helping other people see it. By that gospel, he says, God will judge the secrets of men. I wonder why he makes that point. The secrets of men. Okay, Keishan's saying God sees our hearts, and that's not revealed to, to everyone. But God sees the hearts. He will judge the, the hearts of men, certainly. That's, that's good. What, what else comes to your mind when you think about Paul saying the secrets of men? We're in the habit of hiding from people, hiding things from people, but you can't hide uh, from God. Paul says in, where is it? 1 Corinthians uh, 4 and verse 5. This might go along with the secrets of men. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So notice that 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. I do, that, I do think that goes along 
with these secrets of men ideal here. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Do not proclaim judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. I think... Is that Ephesians 5.12? Okay. It's a shame to speak of those things they do in secret. I think we love our secrets. I think that's a tendency of sinful man, isn't it? We love our secrets. We, we, we feel that we have gotten away with things because we have found a way to keep it hidden from other uh, people, maybe even from those closest to us. God knows that about us. He knows us better than anybody. And so he, he reminds us to come clean before Him. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Don't fool yourself. Don't allow, don't allow the Satan to, to deceive you thinking that that you're okay uh, with these hidden sins. Okay. So he'll judge the secrets of men. What's the old saying? What, what's done in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, those phrases come because everybody knows that we love, we love to hide things. We feel like we're secure in our ability to hide things. But God... God reminds us of important truth here. Something Brent's bringing out here from 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 is we make judgments. To live life, we must make judgments. We want to lean on God for making those judgments, but only the Lord can make that eternal judgment because only the Lord knows the facts. He knows, he knows inside and out. It's a good point uh, he's making there. Okay. So that's the standard on which we're uh, judged. And then the next question is, what sort of hope do you have? Do you? Think about, let's think about this personally a little bit. What, what sort of hope do you have toward this day of judgment? Uh, do you feel that it's going to be fair and favorable toward you? Okay. And do you see something here in, in Acts 17, 31 that makes you feel hopeful about the judgment? Looking back to Acts 17.31, notice the the verse phrase by phrase. He's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And what's the next phrase? No, what's the next phrase before that? 
by that man. Now, who is that? Jesus. By that man. By that man. He knows what we've been through. We've been here. Yeah. You know, back in Acts 9, 20, when Paul first became converted, he went right to those synagogues in Damascus and he started proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. But here he talks about Jesus being the man. The man. By that man. I think there is something here that God wants us to see, to think about, to meditate upon. Even here on Judgment Day, Jesus is wanting us to see that he's still identifying with us. He come, he became a man for us, and he's still that man. He's still... Very much the Son of God, but very much the Son of Man. The man. And what did Jesus give up? And he wants us to remember that as we come to Judgment Day. He is the man. What did he give up to become the man? What did he do here? Well, he, he encountered all of life as, that, as the man, Christ Jesus. But he did it without sin. Then also in that life, as that man, he took on the full range of suffering. Why did he do that? Why did he come here? Why did he take on the full suffering of the cross? He loved us. He wants us to give us a chance. Yeah. He, he wants us to be saved on this day. This is, this, is, this is the day he's been living for. This is the day that that he's had in his mind for a very, very, very long time. He, he wants us. He's, he's in favor of us, of us receiving that crown on that day. He's, he's the man. He's the one who became the man. That's right. That's, that's good, Benita. He, all this time before Judgment Day comes, he's, he's there on the right hand of God. He's our advocate. He's our, he's our friend. He is our mediator. He's our high priest. He is pulling for us. Okay. And so this is, this is that little hope that, that Paul is inserting in there. That yes, this is going to be a tremendous day and he will be judging the secrets of men. But also remember... Several things. Remember that, that God is for us. Be hopeful. Be encouraged. Be lifted up. Okay. Don't give up. You know, we, we, can, we can be victorious on the judgment day. And it's good to know the Lord is, is, is our advocate. He's the man Christ Jesus Jesus endured that cross as, as that man. Hebrews 12, verse 2, Mike is referring to. Okay. Also remember that as we get there on Judgment Day and we receive that crown, it's not going to be based on our merits. It's not going to be based on 
on what we have done. It's, it's going to be based on Jesus' gift for us, his laying down his life for us. There's, we would have no hope without him becoming a man. So, next question. When will our eternal fate or destiny be known? Does that happen on Judgment Day or does that happen at death? What do you think? A little bit of both. There you go. Straddling the fence. Hmm? Yeah, evidently you already know your, your fate at death. Should know now. Yeah, he told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay. What about... Um, huh? Yes. Yeah, the, the rich man in Jesus' story, Luke 16, uh, 19. Yeah. And then Lazarus woke up and, or was in Abraham's bosom. But the rich man was in torments. So right there at death, you already know your fate. Okay. So if that's the case, then what, what's the purpose of Judgment Day? Let's look at Romans 2 and verse 5 right quick. This is the only straightforward answer I know to this. Romans 2 and verse 5. Paul discussing judgment day there in Romans 2 as we've already seen. But he says in Romans 2 verse 5, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's righteous judgment will be revealed on that day. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out myself. I don't know that I have a, a, <clears throat> just a great answer on this other than God will be vindicated. <clears throat> God's word will be vindicated. You know, everybody will be able to see on that day that the truth was the truth. Yep. What Brent's mentioning goes right along with our thoughts here. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 speaks of the fact that on that day every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess. Romans 14, 11 and 12 has similar statements. Will there be any atheists on the judgment day? Will there be any critics of God on judgment day? God will be vindicated on that day. That's, that's His day of vindication. The righteous judgment of God will be revealed to everyone. Okay. It's not obvious to everyone 
now because, you know, we don't, we're not seeing the other side. We don't, when someone, someone passes away, we're not there with them experiencing what they're experiencing. But on this day, okay, there will be no doubt as to what is occurring. Okay, Brent's saying that if we could see that now, it wouldn't be based on faith. And it is based on faith now. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's a, that's a good point. Susan's saying it brings a finality to everything. And there, there's a finality to Judgment Day. The earth will be destroyed, 2 Peter 3.10, earth will be destroyed. God will deliver up the kingdom. Christ will deliver up the kingdom to the Father, according to 1 Corinthians 15. There's a finality uh, to that day. That's good. Are people going to argue with God on that day? Jesus said in Matthew 7, you know. Yeah, like Matthew 7, 22. Lord, then Jesus will say, I never knew you. So, you know, it behooves us to get it right now. No second guessing. Right here in our laps. That's right. All right. Good point. And that's a very important point about Judgment Day. And this question will there be any atheists? Will we answer that one? Um, what do people use? This will be our last question. What do people use to try to comfort themselves? in view of Judgment Day coming, to soothe. What do we do? I'm not just saying to others. What do we do when we don't listen to the Word and surrender to God and walk with Him in preparation for Judgment Day? When we are not doing that, what is it that we use? What is it that people use to comfort themselves? What have you heard? Yeah. If God is love, then, then um, there won't be any judgment. Basically, there won't be any, any judgment. Everything that we read uh, about God and justice and judgment uh, does not teach that. But, but people, when you listen to people, that they're, they're basing their whole eternal existence on, on the fact that even though I'm this way, even though I'm not, I know I've ignored some things, uh, I think God is going to reach out to me in love. Now granted, we're, we're going to be dependent on His mercy, but we also must be faithful. How much more could He love us than sending His Son? You know, one thing that, that I hear quite often is that people will say, well, 
If that's true, there's going to be a lot of people in my same situation. If, if you're saying that is sin, if you're saying that we're sinners, if you're saying that we're going to meet the judgment of God, then there's a lot of other people. Everybody else does that. Everybody else lies. Everybody else uh, commits adultery. Everybody, have you seen everybody else? And it, it's almost as if since there are so many, then surely God would not bring judgment on all those since there's so many. Since. Yeah, broadest way, narrowest the gate. Yeah, through through Noah, only eight was there. What? That's why we have the story of Noah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, working through th these few questions, and hopefully we have been able to center on God's judgment. Remember, these are the, uh, the apostles. Uh, these are God's teachers. What did they use to try to wake people up? What did they do to try to encourage people to draw closer to God? They, uh, they often went to the judgment day. They, they went to eternity, and nothing wakes us up like facing eternity before God.